to take your Bibles tonight, please go to the book of 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2. If you enjoyed the Rodriguez's tonight, say amen. amen. I hope you'll go by and visit with them afterwards and buy as much of their music as you can possibly afford and take it home and put it all over your house. Amen. It'll be a blessing to you and everybody else that comes in the house and uh, you will enjoy it. My wife and I have thoroughly enjoyed our time with you people. We appreciate your faithfulness. We realize that this has been an inconvenient time for a number of our friends that could not be here. I think I heard between 20 and 30 of the teachers were sick before we ever came through this door. I sure am glad it didn't happen after I got here. Amen. But uh, I appreciate the fact that so many of you were faithful and you've been here service after service. And we appreciate you coming and investing your life in the lives of others for the cause of Jesus Christ. You pray for us and the many meetings that God has given to us, the places that we'll be. Uh, a week after this coming week, we'll be down near Tampa, Florida. And then uh, the next week, we'll be down near Sarasota, Florida. The next week, we'll be at Volusia County Baptist Church. And so God has given us one meeting in Florida right after the other, right in the midst of the dead cold time. That's what I can say. But uh, it's, it's getting a little warmer all the time, and we certainly appreciate that. Pastor, thank you for letting me come and partner with you. It's always a privilege to come and share the Word of God here in this place. Did you find your place? Let's stand, please, for the reading and teaching of the Word of the Living God. I'm starting my reading down in verse number 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word and by letters from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. The man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sits him, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now ye know that what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already now work, only he who now lets or hinders will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved." And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Tonight is Bible prophecy night. It's a look at the future. Prophecy is history written in advance. What you're about to hear tonight has not taken place except in the mind of God. But as sure as there is a God, these things that you're about to hear will soon take place. If you don't know beyond a shadow of doubt you're on your way to heaven, tonight repent and believe the gospel. If you do tonight, put your life in line with Jesus Christ and let Him live His life in, through, by, and for you. 
in Jesus' name. Thank you very much. You may be seated and let's pray together. We thank you, Lord, for your word, for all that you do, for your promises, for everything that you've given to us. And we ask tonight that as I preach the word of God, you'll preach through me, that nobody will see a man, but they will see the God-man. And they'll understand that very soon the God-man is coming and he is going to bring with him some tremendous miracles. And then for seven years there will be that tribulation hour until afterwards Jesus comes back again and the tribulation hour is underway. So I pray that you will help us tonight to do a good job delivering the word of the living God to our friends and loved ones don't let anybody leave this building tonight without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt they're on their way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe the next great event on God's prophetic calendar is the return of Jesus Christ in an event we call the rapture. Your Bible speaks of two comings of Christ. First time was forecasted in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. 700 years later, it was fulfilled. Luke 2.11, and he was born this day in a city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There were 333 Bible prophecies concerning the first coming of Jesus. Everything that said about Jesus took place. Interestingly enough, in Matthew chapter 24, we have a look at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you read through, you'll find there's a variety of things that are going to take place. First of all, Jesus said, Many will come in my name saying I'm Christ and deceive many. When Jesus shows up before he gets here, people will have already thought he had come, but they will be deceived and they will be taken into the whirlwind of all kinds of activities and they will be conned into believing that Jesus had already come. Then Jesus said there would be wars and rumors of wars. Nation would rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and the time of peace would be gone. Jesus told us that was going to happen. It's already underway. He said there's be famines. There's more famine tonight than at any time in human history. It's taking place as you sit in this auditorium. Then he said there will be pestilence, plagues, You've heard of all kinds of different plagues, the AIDS and the SARS and all kinds of different plagues. Many of them they thought they had conquered, but they have just come back to visit us again. Jesus said, watch for that. He said, don't forget there'll also be earthquakes. Interestingly enough, in the 20th century, two million people died as a result of earthquakes. Already in the 21st century, percentage-wise, we're ahead of that. Jesus said, you watch for all these things, they will take place. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six: as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you do show the Lord's death. Listen to the word, till he comes. Not if he comes, but until he comes. Your Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. The Bible goes on and says in Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the 
glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 2, 28, Now little children, abide in Him. Why? So that when He shall appear, not if He appears, but when He shall appear, you may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. This passage of Scripture, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, tell us about the coming of Christ. 1 Thessalonians, the five chapters there, tell us about the fact that He is coming again. 2 Thessalonians tells us the fact that when He comes, He will be right on schedule. Not a moment too early or a moment too late, He will be right on schedule. The question tonight is, are you ready for the coming of Jesus Christ? In this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul wants us to understand two or three things about the coming of Jesus Christ. First of all, he wants us to understand our desertion when Jesus comes. Notice verse 1, chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren. This is written to born-again, blood-washed believers. It's not written to everybody. If you're not part of the brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, Jesus is not coming for you. And if somebody told you he was, they just lied to you. This is for the brethren, the people who have been saved by the grace of God and by our coming or by the coming of our Lord Jesus. In other words, his parousia guarantees our removal. When he shows up, we go up. When he returns, we're removed and we go home to be with the Lord. He says, and by our gathering together unto him. What that simply tells us is this. Every person who's been genuinely washed in the blood of Jesus will go immediately to be with the Lord Jesus Christ when He comes in the rapture. I wonder if you understand the term rapture. It's an interesting term. It comes from the term rapio. It means to seize, to snatch, to remove from one place to another, to get caught up. It's the term from harpazo. And here's what Jesus is saying. When I show up, you go up. When I come back, you come up. If this bothers you, then tonight is your night to turn from your religion and all of the good religious things you've been doing and repent and receive the finished work of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches the reality of His coming and that you will be deserted. John chapter 14 and verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would have told you. I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. His appearance guarantees our disappearance. If you study your Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 17, the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven. Don't miss that phrase. The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven. There are many other times that God has sent someone else, but not this time. He's coming personally. He will come so that you will see Him. And if you have if you known Him, you will go up and be with Him. He will come. He will, you will be with Him, and you will enjoy His presence forever. Hebrews 9, 28, But unto them that look for Him a second time shall He appear without sin unto salvation. It's the reality of it. But then there's the rapidity of it. How fast does He come? 
1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment. It's an interesting term. Moment simply means atomous, indivisible part of time. In the twinkling or the rapido or the very short jerk of time so minute that you can't even calculate it with your mind. You say, preacher, that simply means, it simply means Jesus is going to do everything he said he was going to do before you can close and reopen your eyes. That's what everybody in this building needs to understand tonight. And for those of you that have been hanging on to the reality, well, I don't know if I totally believe it. I, my folks do, and they've been teaching me that, but I just can't bring myself to completely put my confidence in that. When he comes and takes every one of us home that belongs to him and you're left behind, don't forget tonight. Don't forget the moment that you had to turn from your religion to relationship with Jesus Christ. Number one, there's desertion. Number two, there's deception. If you read on, he says in verse two that you may not soon be shaken in mind or troubled. Neither my spirit or word or my letters from us is that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, an apostasy. The man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. For those people who would not receive Jesus Christ and had the opportunity and could have been born again, they will not have another opportunity after he comes. If somebody taught you different, they taught you a lie. There's 7.8 billion people alive on planet earth. The vast majority of them have never heard the word Jesus one time. I said the vast majority of them have never heard the word Jesus one time. But they're going to. Pastor, imagine that uh, the majority of people here at Central Baptist Church are gone in the rapture. We're on the other side. We look down and at Central Baptist Church there's a layman and he doesn't know much about preaching, but he understands what happened. His parents told him about the coming of Christ, but didn't seem to know too much about it. And he heard a little bit about it, but now he knows all about it because he's been reading. And he stands in this pulpit and looks at a packed out house and says, I'll tell you exactly where all of our friends and loved ones are. They're in heaven. If you want to go to heaven, then you better believe what I'm teaching you tonight. Otherwise, you'll be left behind permanently. Permanently. Take your Bible and turn with me tonight to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter number 13. In this passage of Scripture, you're going to see the Antichrist. And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1 about the deceiver that is coming. The Bible says in verse 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth was as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. All of the power of the Antichrist come from Satan himself. 
For a person who knowingly and willingly rejects the power of Jesus Christ and won't have anything to do with Him, you're the prime candidate to become a loser permanently for all eternity. Now the Bible tells us in this passage of Scripture they saw a beast. The beast has 28 different names. They're all bad. It's interesting if you study them, he comes out of the sea. Now a lot of people believe that is the sea that is around the Roman Empire. You do realize that Roman Empire is back into place. Most recently it had 28 members. Now it has 27 members. It's interesting that all 27 members were one time a part of the original Roman Empire. And they're all back together again in your lifetime and in mine. Very little has to happen for Jesus to come. He can speak and all of a sudden the angels will bring him into the sky. And all of the wickedness and vileness that he, he said has been going to be happening, it will be happening. He goes on and he says, There's seven heads and ten horns. Seven is the number of mountains in the Roman Empire. I personally believe the Roman Empire is moving back into place so that it can play its particular part in the coming war at the end of the age. The ten horns are part of the ten kings that have, will one day come together. They will rule for a short period of time and then turn all of their authority over to the Antichrist. The Bible goes on and says his horns were as ten crowns and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. Let me explain to you something about the Antichrist. He is as anti-God as any person who has ever lived on planet earth. You may think you have met Antichrist. You may think that somebody who uses profanity every third word is Antichrist, and he is, but he's not the Antichrist. When the Antichrist comes and he begins to speak, everybody will recognize the fact that he is in opposition to Jesus Christ. Somebody said, preacher, what is the, going to take place? Well, let me tell you three things that have already taken place. In 1948, one of the first things that took place was the coming together of the beast and Israel. Israel is back in place. Israel is on its edge. It's ready to move into place. Most of the people in Israel are not saved. Only a handful of them know the Lord Jesus Christ. And Israel is in place, ready to make a move. Number two, there's not only Israel in place, but the EEC, European Economic Community. Or you might call it the official of the Roman Empire, and they are in place. Number three, the world community or council is back into place. All three of these things began in one form or another in 1948. Now tonight, all three of them are sitting strategically ready to move into place. All we have to do is a 
group of God's people is evacuate. That's what the rapture is. Operation Evacuation. And the moment Jesus takes us to be with Him and we go to the other side, He will let all hell break loose on planet Earth for three and one half years. Some of you are looking at me tonight like, you know, I've heard this, but you're bringing it right to where I live. If you're sitting here tonight and you're not born again, I hope God will bring it where you live. And he won't pass you by and he won't give you another opportunity to tell him no. Because when he does, it's over for you. Number one, there's desertion. Number two, there is deception. Number three, there is destruction. Take your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16. I want to start my reading down in verse number three. The Bible says, The second angel poured out his vial upon the sea. And it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. One of the first things that you'll find is that in the sea, everything is going to die. Just as sure as it's a dead sea near Israel, there's coming a time when all of the seas will produce no life. And if you don't think it's going to take place, you don't understand your Bible. Because it's being dogmatic. Number four, the, or, uh, verse number four, the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. Now, if you look at verse three, they're like blood. But in verse four, they are blood. Because what happens? Verse six, they've shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. Now, for those of you that think this preacher tonight is trying to high hob you and high knob you and tell you all kinds of interesting things to get you scared to death. I'd be happy if that worked. But that's never what I've tried to do. What I've tried to do is tell you exactly what the Bible says and whether you understand it or believe it or whether you care or not, this is exactly what's going to take place. And there's coming a day when you will have no other opportunity to be saved. Because once you turn down for the last time, in the tribulation hour, there's no more opportunity for you. The Bible goes on and says in verse number 8, The fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given in him to scorch men with fire. Verse 9, And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. The sun is heated to a magnanimous uh, a large degree of heat. And people are running, but many of them are dying. The opportunity they've had to be saved is now diminished. And those who could have been saved earlier but were not, now will not be saved. Thank God that during the tribulation hour, many will be saved. Now let me explain something. If somebody told you that if a person lives into the tribulation and they've heard the gospel, and they've turned Jesus down, they have another time in the tribulation to be saved, they lied to you. That's nowhere taught in the scripture at all. It's taught in the scripture that if you do not receive Jesus Christ, and you are left behind, you will not have a chance. It's taught in the scripture that if you do not receive Jesus, and you're left behind, you may have one or two opportunities 
And then Jesus will walk away from you for as long as there is an eternity. I want you to go over, please, to verse number 18. There was a voice and thunders and lightnings, and there was great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. Verse 20, And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men great hail out of heaven. Are you hearing what's being read tonight? I'm not screaming at you. I'm just telling you one thing right after the other. I'm explaining to you what is going to take place when God's people, that's everybody in this building tonight, who's by faith said no to sin, yes to God's Son, and received Him into their heart. Those people will not be here for this. But the people who have not and have not had an opportunity to be saved will have at least one or two opportunities to be saved. Every time they say no, God simply says, that's one last time. So if you take a look at these things, you will simply find out tonight, you may think it's neat that you get to stay around, but do you understand that this is the last rodeo? It's the last opportunity. There is no more opportunity. You may be the son of a pastor. You may be the son of a Christian worker. You may be the son of a godly man or woman. But it really doesn't make any difference how good your folks are. The question is, have you personally, by faith, received Christ into your heart and life? And if your answer is no, then tonight is your night. Take your Bible and go back to the book of 2 Peter. On the way to the end of this message, I want to show you what's going to happen to people who do not know that they're born again. What will take place? There are three things that are going to take place, and I want you to see all three of them. I want to start my reading down in verse number 9 of 2 Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but His long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Don't miss that in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Number one, if you're not born again and you don't want Christ when He returns, you may walk exultingly, but you'll walk straight into hell. And if somebody told you you're okay, you get two or three or four or five opportunities, it's not taught in Scripture. I believe that every person who's not heard the gospel will have a chance to hear the gospel and be saved by the grace of God. The question is, will you be one of them? And here's the answer. After what you're about to hear in the next few moments, the answer will be no. Because gospel is going to be very, very plainly given. You'll be walk, walking exultingly. But if you go to verse 11, it says, seeing that you see these uh, that all these things shall be dissolved, what matter persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting to the coming day of God? Number one, you'll walk exultingly. Number two, you'll watch expectantly. When you get saved by the grace of God, you'll be looking for the coming of Christ. But if you never get saved, what I'm saying tonight is really just taking up your time. Because there come a time when Preaching like this won't affect you at all. It'll just pass you by. 
Because though you'll be watching, you won't be watching for the right Christ. And then we're to work effectively because if you look down at verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. Walk exaltingly. Watch expectantly. Work effectively. When you're saved by the grace of God and all these things are in your life, it's, like, it's God letting you know you're okay. Oh yeah, we got some crazy things going on in this pandemic and we got some stupid stuff going on internationally and with all the people in this known world that think they know more about life than God does, there'll come a day when they realize they don't know anything about life. They die doomed and damned and cursed and no hope. So here's the question. Are you in this passage of Scripture? Take your Bible, please. Go back to the book of uh, first or Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, and go with me to chapter two. And I want you to see one final thing from from Second Thessalonians chapter number two. Start my reading down at verse seven. The mystery of iniquity doth already now work. Only he who now lets or hinders will let or hinder until he be taken out of the way. Then shall the wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. In other words, this person has Satan inside him with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now let me explain something to you. You can play games with God, but He's going to win. In case you're wondering in this building whether you listen or not when the message is given. You won't listen in that day. You'll just be damned. The Bible goes on and says, With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved, for this cause, watch carefully, verse 11 of chapter 2, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they were all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, if you watched, you saw the word all appear. You saw other words that let everybody know that people who have not been saved in the tribulation hour are not going to be saved during the tribulation hour. So what does that mean? It means you have the opportunity tonight. But listen carefully, if you don't get saved tonight and you stay behind for the tribulation, you're doomed. And there is no second chance. And anybody that told you when you were a young person that you'd have plenty of time lied to you because the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible simply teaches that everybody who understands the gospel and has an opportunity to be saved and does not receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is a person who is damned, doomed, and cursed. John 3.18, He that believeth not is condemned already. 
Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I want you to listen upstairs. I want you to listen in the sound booth. I want you to listen all over this auditorium. Because I'm going to make the gospel about as simple as you've ever heard it. If you stand up and walk out of here tonight and do not get saved tonight, you don't deserve to be saved. Preacher, that's harsh. It's not harsh. It's honest. Because if you can sit in a church service where the Holy Spirit of God is at work and presents to you truth and you say, well, that's good for you Baptists, but I'm not a Baptist. The Bible doesn't talk about Baptists going to heaven. It talks about believers going to heaven. And if you thought you were going because you're a Baptist, I'm sorry, but that's not why you go. You go because you're a born-again believer. Amen. Now let me give you some truths that I hope will help you. Number one, what is it that you need to know in order to be saved? The first thing you need to know is the word sin. Everybody say the word. Ready? Sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Galatians 3 and verse 22, the scriptures conclude all under sin. And if you get a little wigglesome as I'm closing this message, and you're very uncomfortable with what I'm preaching, I would suggest to you, mister, you better repent and believe the gospel if you ever plan to see Jesus. Amen. Have you ever admitted to Jesus Christ, you're a hell-deserving sinner? Number two is the word sentence. Would you say that word with me? Sentence. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Whosoever is not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And he seeth Abraham afar off, Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus that they may dip the tip of his finger in water. Did you get that phrase, dip the tip of his finger in water? For I am tormented in this flame. Abraham said, Son, remember. Let me tell you one of the worst things about hell is not the fire, it's not the smoke, it's not gagging, it's, it's not being with Millions of people. It's the fact it's a place of total outer darkness where you can't even breathe. And your entire life, every ounce of your life, every sin that you ever committed will go over in your mind once, twice, three times, five times, and it will never cease for as long as you stay in hell, which is for eternity. Number three, the word sacrifice. Would you say that word with me? Sacrifice. He who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us. Now stop and think about that. He who did not know sin, did not understand sin, he who was not a part of sin, became sin for us. Now maybe you can explain that verse. I can't. Maybe you've got it all figured out. I don't. But I can tell you this, if he who knew no sin became sin for us, then you and I can understand our sin. 
And when, when you end up going into the regions of the damned, and you know it forever because you will never die. I don't think you got it. I said you will never die. You will live as long as God lives, and He will never die. And for those of you that have been told, don't worry about it, because just as surely as a person goes into a fire and the fire consumes his body and he dies, you'll die. They lied to you. That's not true. You're not going to die. You're going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And there is no cessation. So the question tonight is, have you ever come to a time in your life when you said, you know, I'm a sinner and I'm sentenced and I can't do anything to get out of part of my sentence. Either I get out of all of it or I don't get out of any of it. And I understand who Jesus is. He's God. And what he did for me, he died for me, was buried for me, shed his blood for me, raised again for me and is offering me the gift of eternal life through the blood that he shed on the cross. And I'll take that. I'll repent. The word repent means to change your mind. You don't change your life. You change your mind. God changes your life. And if you've been trying to change your life and you just can't get it done, you get born again and God will change you. And believe. Which means you put all that you are into all that He is. You believe He's God. You believe He died for you or buried for you, raised again for you, is coming again for you, and you want Him to live in your life for as long as He lives for all eternity. That's the gospel. Now the question tonight is simply this. When did that take place in your life? Well, my mother told me, with all due respect to your mother, she did not save you. You say, well, uh, I had a pastor and he said if I just would believe in God. Well, your pastor needs to read his Bible because it's more than believing in God. It's believing who God is and that he died for you and was buried for you and raised again for you. And for those of you half-hearted believers that are still on your way to hell, I'm trying to help you get on your way to heaven. And it'll never happen as long as you argue. So the question tonight is, have you believed in Him? Have you repented of your sin and put all of your faith and trust in Him? Have you invited Him to come live in your life and save your soul? Is He indeed your Lord and your Savior? I want you to think about that. Because in a moment we're going to bow our heads and when we do, you're going to have an opportunity tonight for some of you to get born again. Or you can get up and walk out as you've done many, many times and it could be that tonight God will take your no and never give you another opportunity. And if He takes your no and you never get another opportunity, don't forget what you heard from this platform tonight. Don't forget there was a man who loved you and gave you the word of the living God. 
And don't forget that if you walk out of here tonight and God never speaks to you again, you're going to get the hell you deserve. He doesn't want you there, but you're going to get the hell you deserve if you don't repent and believe the gospel. Let's stand and bow our heads.